I have a message that I'm going to need Asa to help me. Asa's my, we, we did rehearse this in the last service. And uh, it's a three-point message. And uh, when I say the first point, Asa's going to help me. Uh, it, it, here's the first point of my message. Number one, God is good. <laughs> For that matter, you can answer the same way. Number two, God is powerful. And three, God is present. All right. I love it. So I want to just show you some things about God being good, God being powerful, God being present. Because unbelief dismisses these ideas. Doubt diminishes these ideas. Sometimes the circumstances of life try to deteriorate these notions. And we've got to go back to return to reinforcement of just how good God is. God is good. Everybody say God is good. Okay, so Psalm 34, 8. I've got a few psalms, and these are really strong. I love the psalms. I'm going to try to use King James because I just studied with King James. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. Let's read it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are two of the five physical senses operating where you taste and you see. And God's laid this out. He's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and he's provided it in such a way that is so beautiful and so actually so appealing and is so worthy and he's so available to us. And he invites us, come on, taste it. You know, there, there's a taste in St. Louis. They had it in Chesterfield. Now they have it back in downtown uh, where uh, chefs would come and prepare their, their meals, and you'd taste, you'd see, you'd Smell the aromas of the food and the spices and the flavors and the combinations. We had a, a French-trained chef help us during uh, the flood. And she talked to me about salt, sour, bitter, and then uh, umami or something. They got another one in there. And uh, this is a holistic thing. God, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, in the beginning, who said, let there be light. God who said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Make them male and female. Make them fruitful and multiply. Give them authority. Give them free will. Give them a redeemer who would come and save them from all their sins. And give them the Holy Spirit as an equipper and an empowerer. Taste and see. He's not weak toward us. He's mighty toward us. That's my second point. But listen to this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the child. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's a vain thing to trust in man or in the arm of the flesh, but the Lord is good and he's trustworthy and he invites us actually to taste and to partake and to see and to step into this thing. Come on in. The water's fine. Step over. Enjoy it. Some of you are so close on the slippery creek bank, you might as well just slide right in. One time when Patsy and I were away at Bible school, there was a viaduct over, a little overpass over a creek next to our apartment complex. And uh, I would go over there after working the night shift at the grocery store and the uh, full service store. And I would go down and I'd get on the bottom of that little area and there was a concrete pad there by the creek and I could pray and minister to the Lord, and it would echo. And uh, nobody could see me because uh, the, the cars would just drive over, but nobody would see me on either side. It was just bush and, you know, just undeveloped. And I would just be down there praying. I had only one pair of corduroys. I had one suit. 
And I remember going there to pray, and there had been a rain that night. And I remember getting in my only nice pants, I slid right into the creek. And uh, it was a lesson, you know, you get on the slippery slope, you're going to slide right in. And I want to say in God, on the positive side, you might as well just step on in. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You might as well. What's it going to hurt? What's it going to hurt you? Even if you're an agnostic or even if you're dismissive, it's like, I don't know about any of this. Well, you can get in the know. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. In fact, they said about Jesus, you're good. He said, no one is good but God only. God is good, and uh, he's trustworthy. There are world religions that have harshness, the, the God of destruction and so forth. God is our Father who sent his son Jesus to prove his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, relies in him, will not perish but will have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him or trusteth in him. Look at this one. Psalm 100 and verse 5. Psalm 100 verse 5. Look at this. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. So including the millennials, including the boomers, including Generation X, including whatever they're called now, makes no matter. I had great fellowship yesterday with a two-month-old and a three-year-old. And I have great hope for their generation because I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. No matter how they come into the world, they're a blessing from God. Children are the heritage of the Lord. They're a blessing never says that they're a curse. They're a blessing. Blessed is the fruit of your womb and the offspring of your body. And so we trust God for this for all generations. Look at this. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. That's why when I read the Old Testament and see how faithful God is, our wonderful Jewish friends are honoring God with Passover in a, such a specific way for a whole week. And they're honoring God, saving them during a terrible time. And we come along and we look at that point of history and go, that God was good and that God is good and that God always will be good. He's good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 135.3, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. That's why we sing. We're not just singing songs, looking at our watches, wondering how long we're going to sing. We might as well enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We have something to be grateful for. We have something to be thankful for. And it's good for us and important for us who get tempted to murmur or get tempted to be pessimistic or get tempted to just articulate the negatives to go, wait a minute, God is good. And I praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name for it is pleasant. It is pleasant. It's beautifying. It's the right thing to do. It's the right. I've been, a, listen, I've had the privilege. I'm, I enjoy music. I've had the privilege of being in some of the most wonderful musical moments. Uh, I got to hear Ray Charles sing, God Bless America. You know, I got to hear uh, so many different bands uh, play at the key pivotal moments of their musicianship. 
You know, I got to be right there at the moments and see the original players. And, and I'm, I'm an appreciator of music. I appreciate music. I sat down at the piano with our, our little three-year-old, and uh, my kids all play music. We have a piano in the living room, and she, they have this sheet music there. And it, I mean, I can't, you know, I look at it, it looks like Latin. And she points to the page, and she said, I want to play this. And it's like, and, and she, you know, I don't know how to read music. She's, and I, she doesn't either, but she wants to. And she points to it, it's like, okay. So then she goes, so I'm over there going like, with like, 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 you know, you do with a typewriter with one finger. And I'm going, I'm doing this little repetitive thing. And she busts out in a belly laugh. We had a moment, didn't we? It was special. And she's associating that. And, and you know, there was some joy in it. And, uh, I've had some fun with this music, and I've had, you know, I've been in these kinds of times, and I've heard some great things, but I'll tell you, one moment of thoughtful praise and musicianship unto God, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people, and I have to tell you, I've actually walked away from some of those experiences feeling empty, but one moment in the presence of the Lord where he inhabits the praises of his people is different. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. Psalm 145, verse 9. Here's another one, and this is where I'll move on to the next point. But this one says, the Lord is good to all. You want to know that it rains on the just and the unjust alike? You want to know why things are good for people? Because God's so merciful. You delight in showing mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new even this morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. He's faithful. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. He's so good. Part of my testimony to my friends who say they're, they're atheists and they're dismissive is, man, listen, the Lord's been so good to you. One time a guy hurt his shoulder skiing. You know, he's just getting to know me, and he had, he had it all up in a cast. And I just reached up and laid hands on him. I prayed the prayer of faith. You know, he got healed so fast. He just was shocked by it. Still is. God heals people, and he loves people, and he answers prayer. We have to carry this into this situation. The Lord is good. When the flood of 93 hit, I carried this into that situation. So I couldn't complain to God because I knew God was good. I, I had terrible, Patsy and I have had some battles, had some wicked attacks. But we didn't go to God and go, God, why? And, you know, get all frustrated toward God. His grace is sufficient. He's our help. It's like, I'm not going to project my anger and frustration on you, God. You're good. I'm not going to question all this. I know why. It, the why of it is because it's a fallen world. But God is so good. God is so good. I mean, he's so good, you guys. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Immerse yourself in this subject. Do a study on this. Get your concordance out. Look at your, get your, get your tablet and 
punch in, get a, get a program, then look up the term, the Lord is good, and the goodness of God and that kind of thing, and study it. Number two, God is powerful. God, our God, is a consuming fire. He's almighty. The theologians say he's omni, omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent. The omni means he is all full on 100%. He never diminishes. He never runs dry. God is powerful. He's not weak toward you. He's mighty in you. Psalm 29 verse 4 says it this way, and I love the phrasing. You think about how he said, let there be light. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The physicists talk about a big bang, and I'm certain when he said, let there be light, it was majestic, man. <laughs> I wouldn't call it the big bang. I'd call it the big surge of majesty, of the power of God, his mighty power. He's mighty. There's no one more powerful than our God. He's the epitome of might and power. He's the Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Listen to this. Listen to this. Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 12th verse in the King James. You know, his voice is mighty. That's why we should hearken unto the voice of his word. That's why we should, in fact, speak the word. You guys that pray, what do you do when you pray? You know, the best part is finding the word of God corresponding to the situation. Speak the word about it. Great is the peace of my children for their title. It's, the, oh God, my son is out there disobeying or my daughter's blah, blah, blah. And it, you can do that for a little bit, but it, when you match up and find and identify, God send laborers to cross their path. Reach out your hand and heal them. I come against confusion for you're the God of peace and not confusion, right? You find somebody who's ill and sick and, and, and you, you, you have the by Jesus stripes. They are healed. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's mighty. It's majestic. Hallelujah. It has authority. It's, it's profound. That's why the centurion said, just speak the word only. The word doesn't return empty without accomplishing what it's been said to do. What can I bring to you? A clip from Reader's Digest or a story? I think those are all important. Don't misunderstand me. Illustrations are vital. Stories are vital. But man, in this little compressed moment I have with you, I must preach God's word to you. It's majestic. It's mighty. And in fact, look what it says in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. It says, the word of God is quick, living, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Mighty God. Mighty, thunderous, awesome, powerful, authoritative word doesn't return empty without accomplishing what it's been sent to do. The word is powerful. God, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There's synonymous elements here. When you're fellowshipping in the word, you're fellowshipping with God, protection starts to surge from its pages. Boldness starts to come from its pages. Encouragement starts to come and offset your despair. It starts to get you back in faith again and get your clarity back and get out of the despair or self-pity, get you back into lining up. How many times have we drifted in whining and murmuring and then to find out, wait a minute, God, you're so good, you're so good. Taste and see that the Lord is good and your mercy is everlasting to all generations. He said to the church in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And the reason for it is that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Just had a visit, a, a, a film director, the man that actually produced the, the broadcast for Billy Graham's funeral at his place in Carolina. Just came back from working with Franklin Graham. He gave me a card, and it's in my wallet. And he met a man while he was in Australia working with, with uh, Franklin Graham, who's Billy's son, who, by the way, was rebellious. He used to go out in the backyard and cut down trees with machine guns. And he talks about how he quit smoking. He, his dad would introduce him to people at Crusades. He would spit and stuff on them. You know, so you think you had problems? So there you go. Now, Franklin's mighty. He came and visited me here. He got it, stood right here. And when he's a Presbyterian, he said, man, he prophesied to me. He said, because you guys are reaching out, and he said, this place will fill up. Here it is. When a Presby Listen, when a Presbyterian prophesies over you, you better pay attention. <laughs> Just saying. So the gentleman gave me a card. His name is, this man is from Sweden. And he sat down with me. A couple of decades ago in Kosovo, I met him in Kosovo, and I had an unusual encounter with this man because the Lord called me to go over when the Serbians were attacking the ethnic Albanians and messing with the, the, the Muslim population, and the Lord wanted us to go and right that wrong and go back there and restore that situation. I had absolutely no understanding of the culture of the Balkans. and This man had an aptitude for it, and he sat with me unprompted, and nobody's coordinated it. I'm not a networker. I believe in divine connections. I don't bother networking. I, I'd rather have divine connections. And God plopped this guy right across from me, and he began to speak to me about how to, how to plant a church and how to make, and he warned me about the systems and, and what happens in the Balkans. And he gave me such profound PhD-level wisdom, heads up, that in fact, that conversation helped me to help the scenario. It took a long time. We had to take the long game. We played the long game to finally get it to the place where it can be decent and it can grow and mature and be everything God wants it to be. So now I get to call him and thank him 20-something years later. Hallelujah. God is good. God is powerful. He empowered me with this conversation. He empowered me with a contact from a believer that was led by the Holy Spirit and had something to say to me that was critical for my leadership at that precise moment. And God put the situation in the crossroad of that moment. And I pray this might be that moment for you where you go, wait a minute, the Lord is good. Call every man a liar, but God is true. His word is true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. And you know, let everybody whine. Let everybody freak out. Yeah. When I was a kid in California, there was so much air pollution. But you know, the auto, they, they said it was mainly photochemical smog. The geography of Southern California, where I lived in the L.A. basin, was uh, there's an ocean that pushes air from the breezes off the, the Baja, California, Mexico area up into the southern part of San Diego up there to Oceanside through Carlsbad, up into Santa Monica, and so forth. And it pushes, and then there are the San Gabriel Mountains and the uh, Santa Monica Hills and so forth, and they're all at a certain elevation. So then there's this press for this air, and, and there, it's so densely populated there, and like over 10 million, I don't know how many live there now, but there would be a layer, a thermal layer, that would just hold 
all the photochemical smog from all the vehicles. We live next to Kaiser Steel, so we also additionally, with industry and so forth, you, you just billowed out of its smokestacks, and it would just collect in this spot. And I remember as a child, I remember we moved from San Diego, which had breezy, uh, it didn't have this, it wasn't in the LA basin, so it was clean, and the air was fresh. But when we got up there, the, uh, we, we moved up to the, uh, right by the orange groves in a place uh, called Alta Loma by, by uh, Rancho Cucamonga. That's tongues, by the way. And, and my friend Tony said to me, there are mountains right there. And I said, where? He said, right there. I said, no, they're not. He said, yeah, right there. There's a whole range of mountains right there. There's one, Mount Baldy is right there. I said, I can't even see it. And for that matter, the streets, because of the fires and then the floods, they had curbs that were about four feet high. And just so that they could channel the waters uh, when they would come down. And we were moving to St. Louis and we had to move out of our house because my dad sold it. And we were in the in-between phase where the house sold. We had to get everything out of it. We shipped our, our stuff here. We lived in a hotel in Clayton for several weeks. But for a period of time, we lived up in the mountains of Big Bear. And we would go up to the elevation where you actually could drive up above the smog layer. And it looked had a rosy brown weird haze. And you get up to, and, and there, it would be up near the tree line, and it would be fresh air, mountain air, you know, real crisp and fresh. And you'd go up, out, and then you'd have to drive down into it. My dad had to shuttle us back to school during this last part of, uh, in the early 70s. And we'd drive back in there, and I would just see and drive through this. Well, some engineer, some inventor, took a metal, precious metal. Everybody say platinum. I've been told that in Orange County, there's actually the platinum headquarters where they, it's all things platinum. And they have mined, the, the, the prospectors have mined only about enough platinum to fill a large living room. If you put it just in a solid cube, it would be the size of a large living room for the whole world. In fact, I preached this, and there were guys, they're famous preachers at this conference that I preached, and they challenged me. I went out to lunch, and they said, hey, uh, we're going to call you out on that. Because uh, we think there's more platinum than that. Because I was talking about platinum had been harvested, not just for jewelry. It was real popular during the Art Deco period in the 1920s. Not just for jewelry, but there's a preciousness to it. And a scientist figured out they can put a film of platinum in the catalytic converter in a car and remedy the problem of all this noxious fluorocarbons and all this uh, photochemical smog and make it, this noxious uh, toxicity, turn into uh, harmless vapor. And so they, they coated the part of the muffler system, and it actually brought health to the climate and to the atmosphere. And it, in fact, it's so amazing that the comedian Steve Martin, who moved away from L.A. because of how smoggy he grew up in it, and when he saw how clean it got, he moved back. And, and I've seen, I actually, you, I could see those mountains now. And, and I feel like we are, in fact, converted, and we are, in fact, called to be catalytic converters. And we're more precious than platinum. The word is more precious than silver and gold, right? And so the revelation here is, God is good, and he's powerful. And I remember they were saying, oh, they were, listen, during that period, there, were, there was so much hostility there was racial conflict, even though there had been great moves with uh, civil rights adjustments and improvements. 
There was such inflammatory verbiage going out in society. There were, there were anti-war issues. There was a counterculture thing. There was so much hostility. There was a generational thing that was very harsh. There was so much societally that was so rough that God actually stimulated people like me to go, God, please help us. We'd had earthquakes that were so bad. We'd fall to the ground. Buildings would crack. The earth, the, the earth shook. We couldn't even breathe air. Worse yet, people were saying there will be no clean water by certain years, and they were doing all this stuff to freak everybody out. In fact, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We certainly need to take care of the garden. But let me tell you, God is God, and the world is framed by the word of God, and he is good, and he has a plan. He's coming back to a glorious church. He's coming back to an empowered church. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And see, God is so good. He's so faithful. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, the famous last words of Jesus after his resurrection, after his death on the cross, and before his ascension, he speaks to the church. And he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he says this, Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, look, look what he says, teaching them to observe all things that I, whatsoever I commanded you. And look, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Say this with me. God is good. God is powerful. He's not weak toward us. He's mighty in us. When you feel weak, the good news is, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. Lastly, God is present. You read the New Testament, whenever Jesus showed up, it was amazing. He showed up with blind Bartimaeus, and blind Bartimaeus became seeing Bartimaeus. He got with uh, Simon the leper, and he still had that nickname, but he no longer had leprosy. He got at a funeral, and he raised a guy from the funeral. He got at a cemetery, and he raised Lazarus from the dead after four days. When Jesus shows up, he makes all things new. Psalm 46.1, I love this verse. It's the verse that got me out of the ocean when I was lost at sea. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's not just present. He's very present. He's with us in the hospital. He's with us on the phone call. He's with us in our conversations. He's with us with our, our loved ones. He's with us with our enemies. He's with us in our thought life. He's with us and he knows our down sitting and our uprising. And David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. He's with us when you're, you're isolated. He's with us when we're dull. He's with us when we're on fire. He's with us when we have tears of joy, and he's with us when we have tears of anxiety. In fact, he bottles them because he loves you so much. He's good. He has a plan for you. Yes, you. He's so faithful. A very present help in trouble. Three more verses. Psalm 95.2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. I'm glad that says that there because I can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 2. Psalm 100, we've already shared a little bit in verse 5, but serve the Lord with gladness. Look, come before what? His presence with singing. He's not distant from us. He's present with us. 
His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Our faith is not some sort of, you know, conjecture or a bunch of just sort of distant ritual or some sort of uh, snapshots from antiquity and history that we kind of just look at. He is a very present help in trouble. Who has found that to be the case? Who has ever needed that? Who needs him all the time? Raise both hands, wave to me. He's an ever-present help. And he meets all of our needs. He cares about you, young people. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. You're the young generation. Take this. Take it to heart. I just heard of a man, Mr. Cummings, who just passed last week. I was a teenager. My parents didn't reinforce this. They thought it was, what, why are you going to church? Well, and I remember going to a prayer meetings, and Mr. Cummings would just be praying. He was my dad's age, and he was just a thoughtful man. He didn't impose anything. He didn't, he didn't have odd behavior. He was just a man of prayer wasn't trying to rally people around him. He just was there at a prayer meeting. And it ministered to me so much. It aspire, made me aspire. Prayer is not the performance of a moment, trying to use it as an embellishment or a, some sort of sign of our spirituality. It's a vehicle and a mechanism where we draw near to God. He draws near to us. We let our requests be made known to God. And we get things resolved in the presence of the Lord. And I finish with this last verse. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence, oh, you, some of you know this one. In thy presence is partial joy. In your presence, sometimes it's all right. No, it doesn't say that. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Let's read the rest of it. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures Forevermore, we're in a pleasure-seeking, hedonistic world. The, we all know the enticements of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life that bear down on, let's just be honest, it's just fighting for us, our attention. But yet, true joy comes from the Lord. Remember, my point about concerts, it's great concerts, go away all, wow, it's kind of flat. But one moment in the presence of, of God, one moment of, of assurance from Him, of being able to have true fellowship with God. Taste and see that the Lord is all the time. God is powerful. God is present. Hallelujah.